a diamond can be born out of busted coal There ain't a word that I can find to describe her touch I can't deny that I would follow her through flame and flood I got a ticket for a bus leaving New Orleans I'll say a prayer that every single light turns green I'll buy a cheap bouquet from the flower shop And hope she waits for me at the final stop Oh, she waits! What's up, buddy? Welcome to the AJ Yukon Podcast. Uh, it is a Friday afternoon. I'm really tired. It's a long day. Um, this is a special podcast because it's been. This is um. This is podcast number ten. I, I haven't really decided on the episode title yet. I know I have a special guest here. I'm at school. It is 2.30 in the afternoon, 2.32. Um, a special guest has to leave in about 30 minutes because his mommy's coming to pick him up. And anyhow, and uh, so anyhow, yeah, I am here today. I've got a stack of scrap folios sitting on my table. Um, I have to read all of these. I don't know when I'm going to do this. I hope that I can get through some of them before I leave. But I wanted to start today by having a nice conversation with one of my former students. He graduated back in 2000, wait, this is, wait, I, I got it. This is 2020 this year. Yeah. Last year was 2019. You graduated the year before. A graduate, 2018. Yes, sir. 2018. This is, um, I'm here with Nathan Blair. Nathan Blair. You had me hanging on suspense. I know. Every, he is. Every word there, I know. Every syllable. He is a, a a sophomore. Yes. At Ohio no. State's arch nemesis. Not well, anymore. one of the. Not as much anymore. No, not as much anymore because Indiana's not really that good at sports okay, anymore. Well, but now I'm just joking. No. Indiana University. We got the Gator Bowl robbed from us. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about what you've been doing at Indiana University. All right, so uh, since I've graduated from Central, I'm now sophomore at uh, IU. It's fantastic. I'm a uh, student in the Kelly School of Business there, which for those of you who don't know, and not to sound like I'm bragging or anything, but it is the number 10 uh, undergraduate business program in the United States, which I'm really proud to be a part of. I'm part of the uh, economic consulting and public policy analysis uh, double major track which is where they put all the politics nerds who don't want to be broke. Um, and I'm also a minor in uh, international studies, or international relations, my bad. And uh, it's been keeping me pretty busy. Wow. Are you serious? Th those are your majors. Did you yes. go, when you went to Indiana University, yeah. now I remember you back when you were a senior. Right. And... Um, God help you. I know, well, you know, to be fair... 
senior year is rough for a lot of people. Right. And there's this expectation that you got to know like what you're gonna, going to be doing right. right when you graduate from high school. You have to have this predestined like uh, roadmap already there for yourself. And I, I don't think back when you were a senior that you had these majors, this list of majors. Not, not at the outset of senior yes. year, I didn't. Mm -hmm. That's definitely for sure. But by the end of the year, this you had yeah, these as the, your majors? Yeah. Oh, Okay. Well, I, mean, I knew you were going to go into business, but all this, um, the political aspects of it, I didn't know that. Really? I thought you would have thought the exact opposite. No, I knew that you would have, you, you would be good at it, but I didn't realize that that's where you were embracing right. as much as you are. Because yeah. you have embraced it more than more so. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. If anything, I've gone the opposite direction, and now I've embraced more of the politics than the business part of it. I just don't see myself as like an investment banker 80 hours a week. No cooped up in some New York hedge, mm -hmm. man hedge fund management firm. No, I, I mean, I see, I've always I thought you would be I a good person it. for um, working for like, a political action committee or, right. um, you know, even running for office himself yeah. eventually. The, uh, the current goal is after I finish undergrad, and part of the reason I chose my major is because mm -hmm. it allows me to be hooked in both to the corporate world and the political world, mm -hmm. and the economic modeling skills I've developed, and the general knowledge of how corporate structures and financial mechanisms work mm -hmm. um, prepare me for not just private sector careers, but also public sector careers. Wow. And okay. after undergrad, I'm planning on attending law school where I want to focus in contract and property law. Okay. And then I, I don't know, we'll figure out from there. I got to pay off wow. the student loans at that point. <laughs> You're going to have some major student loans at that oh, I point. Know. That's why it's contract of property law. Those are the ones that pay like 200000 a year. So, well, I, you know, just kind of asking you politically, um, right. would you be okay with uh, some of what the some of the proposals that uh, the Democratic Party are making regarding student loans and, and free college, et cetera? I, I would be sad. I would be fine with some of them. I think in most cases... When you look at like the Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren style plans, I think that's a bit pie in the sky, but I think people aren't giving those two particularly enough credit, and they're assuming that they believe that right out of the bat, they'll be able to guarantee tuition to everybody. I, you know, you don't get to the Senate by not being an intelligent human being. Right. I think Sanders and Warren definitely know that they're going to have to negotiate down and because more than likely they're going to be facing a, in the event that they win in 2020, they'll be facing a narrowly Republican Congress, mm -hmm. or a narrowly Republican Senate, and then possibly a Republican Congress. Okay. Um, they're going to have to negotiate down from whatever starting point they have with their policy plank to something that's amenable, not just to the majority of Democrats, but to the Joe Manchins, the Kirsten Cinemas, mm -hmm. the moderates in the Democratic Party, as well as some of the more uh, moderate-leading Republicans, such as mm -hmm. Collins and Murkowski. And it's kind of, it's basically the same, like, art of the deal. Right. Trump has the same philosophy. He, his, I think his philosophy was always, you have to go really big. Whenever you go in, you right. go big, you ask for as much as you can, because that's mm -hmm. your negotiating tool. Yeah. So when he does something that's loud and um, um, larger than life, it's, to give him negotiating room right. to come back. Yeah. So it's very similar to that. So um, are, you, are you okay with student loan forgiveness for students I, who are just graduating? I would be satisfied with student loan forgiveness. Okay. Now what about this, okay? 
I went to school, mm -hmm. paid off my student loans. Right. Explain to me, like if you're for that, for student loan forgiveness, explain to me as someone who has paid off his student loans, worked hard to do that myself, and all these other people out there who, are, who have done that, why that is fair. Because I think people just want to be treated fairly in society. Right, and I agree with you on that. And to some degree, I definitely understand what you're saying. And I do think that to some degree, it would be unfair that there have been millions of Americans that have had to put themselves through college and, you know, in many more cases, to have to pay off their student loans through years and years of arduous work. Mm -hmm. Whereas now there's potentially going to be a handout of some sorts that would forgive some or if, you know, the congressional majorities were to swing way left, um, all of uh, the tuition. Mm -hmm. Um, or all of the student loan debt, my bad. Um, and there is, a, there is a little bit of unfairness to that. However, what I want to swing back at is there's, a, there's also an unfairness to the younger generations who, due to the rising costs of colleges, because if you look at cost of living mm -hmm. increases over time sure. and in the inflation rate, and then the increase in college tuition, mm -hmm. the increase in college tuition over the past few decades is, is like, skyrocketed past mm -hmm. what you would think would be a proportional increase to living standards right. and the minimum wage and you know median wage standards. Mm -hmm. um, it's unfair that now in order to get the same level of education that people in your generation did they now have to bring on a huge debt burden. It's unfair that they live in the um, one of the more tight labor markets where mm -hmm. people are forced to take two or three jobs just to get by in some right. cases because people are retiring later. Um, there's just a lot less positions that are open at this mm -hmm. point, which is a natural part of the economic right. cycle. Um, it's unfair that they don't have the opportunity to establish wealth for themselves early on, and they don't have the opportunity, like people in your generation did, to cut back on their debt, as it was for you guys. I mean, there was a whole generation of people who were basically swept under the rug, uh, recent college graduates during the 2008 recession, mm -hmm. because every firm was closing up shop and uh, massively decreasing their hiring. And then when it came time to start hiring people back, it wasn't the young professionals, it was the people whose jobs they had to you know, begrudgingly give away. So that's so, how you end up with a bunch of people. But do you think, uh, it, to be fair though, uh, you know, I, it's like saying, well, isn't that like just the current generation saying we have it so much tougher than uh, previous generations? Isn't that what you're saying? I'm not. That, that's, I that, understand. To me, that's kind of what it is. Like you're saying, look, it costs more to live right now. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I know, I know, I started off, my first job was at Ogilvy Park at the Good right. Zoo, and I made a buck thirty-five an hour. Right. And, you know, but, it, you know, gas was a lot cheaper then. Right. And so, you know, there was this... This idea that we, we're all learning how to do this, right. and it's like, how can we compare like how much things cost now to how much they cost earlier? And don't you think that? I guess I wasn't <laughs> really getting my point across as as well as I'd hoped to. Yeah. Um, the point I was make I was hoping to make is that any way you slice it, there's going to mm -hmm. be some degree of unfairness, and right. I know it'll sting for people who have That's already fair. paid yeah. off their student loans, but just. 
I don't know, think of all the people who won't have to deal with that burden, who can now buy a house, who can establish that life. Would you, what, what about, what about like Andrew Yang's proposal with the um, the $1,000 per month? Well, if you remember, I think I wrote mm -hmm. my, my senior paper on something very similar mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did you end up posting those videos to YouTube at all? Because if you did, I'm definitely going to take credit for Andrew Yang's entire political career. I'm not sure if I did. Um, but we can find that. But yeah, so yeah, I'm sure I have that here somewhere. I, I think there's some validity to it as a concept. But wouldn't that be good though? Like if everyone who was of age and you received a thousand dollars, you still have to pay for college. But if right. you choose to use the thousand dollars to pay off your student loan, you pay off your student loan with that. Yeah. No, and I think that's a fundamentally sound idea. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely probably. I wouldn't say I'm a vocal proponent of the universal basic income or a guaranteed mm -hmm. minimum income, but I'm definitely far from a detractor of it. Okay. I'd say with regards to student loan payments and giving people the freedom uh, to do with the, the handouts that the government provides to them with what they feel they need is definitely a major plus. Right. Because uh, means-tested programs typically only apply to certain people and there's no way to one-size-fits-all. And I personally believe that most people generally have some idea of what's best for them. Mm -hmm. um, my main concern with the universal basic income is that we're going to see prices surge in response to that. Like I know uh, rent is a big um, uh, example that's brought up there, mainly because Andrew Yang's po uh, housing policy, at least to the extent I've seen it, doesn't really um, cover any correlation between rising rent costs mm -hmm. and uh, the implementation of the UBI. Well, can I ask you, that, just to, not to change the subject too right. much, but like, since you're talking about Andrew Yang and we talked about uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, right. out of the three of them, don't you think that Yang, his ideas um, inspire more curiosity among people simply because of the, his, his style of thinking and his his youth, so to right. speak, in terms of reaching a younger generation. Um, who do you give more credence to in terms of like political candidates uh, out of those three? You mean who do I favor in mm -hmm. terms of turning mm -hmm. out the youth vote? Well, no, not even about voting, but like I would, I would much rather personally listen to what Andrew mm. Yang is saying right. and the ideas he, pre he is presenting because they sound so new to me. Mm -hmm. The the ideas that Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, right, the rest that's of it's a, yeah, it's just I, it's like I've heard that before. I don't feel like there's anything new there, and it's a fresh voice in that. I mean, part of the reason I think that Donald Trump was elected um, was because the uh, people wanted someone different in there. They didn't want a career politician, right. and Andrew Yang is not a career politician, and that's why to me. I'd much rather hear his ideas than some of the career politicians because that's their career. You yeah, know, I think that's a know, valid point. I don't know. Well, it's but, just the federal government is a very unwieldy bureaucratic object. Mm -hmm. And we've seen, for better or for worse, what someone with um, less experience in terms of politics does when they're put in charge of the entire federal government of the United States. Donald Trump, and I mean, I think either way you look at it, if you're a liberal, you can believe that Don, you definitely believe that Donald Trump is incompetent and has failed in more than a few mm -hmm. ways. 
in due part to his uh, lack of experience. And if you're a conservative, sure, a lot of people have, you know, learned to love the Donald. However, if you look at people who have um, similar policies to him, like Arkansas Senator uh, Tom Cotton, if you, I feel like more conservatives would be enamored with a um, competent version of Donald Trump, mm -hmm. which Donald Trump being good at his job scares the bejesus out of me and makes me wonder what would happen to anyone who has a, uh, who needs to wear, um, or who doesn't have to wear uh, SPF 50 just to go outside in the summer. Well, now, now you're attacking him for, for that. I understand what you're saying. I, that my was thing, a yeah, that was, yeah, that was, come on, you know better than that. But my thing with him, because of, and I'm not defending Donald Trump. There are right. things that, about Donald Trump that I like and things that I dislike. I definitely agree with. I definitely to me, I just don't like. I don't that. like. I don't like how he has used Twitter. I understand why he's doing that, mm -hmm. um, but I think it is confusing people. Um, I don't. I think um, it, it doesn't allow us to focus on what his agenda is, and I think there's so much in, in, in social media out there mm -hmm. about him. We, we can't ever know that. And he's part, and he rose to fame through social media right. and through media. And so it's, that's part of the problem. So he's kind of created this monster. And we don't, I don't know what his, all of his policies right. are. I don't know where he stands on things. And I think that confuses people. It does. It scares people. Like, yeah. you know, just what, you know, what's going on with Iran. I, you know, the recent oh, Twitter yeah. about, like, you know, this is a legal notification of what I can do. And right. he puts it on Twitter for, you know, it bothers me that that's that's how right. we're communicating now, yeah. and I don't think it's presidential. And no, it, it worries me, and, and it's like I just wish office. I wish it was just there was a little more class with that. But yeah. I, I, don't, I think people are like they're done with the class. I think our our country is changing, and it's not going to get better. No, I at this absolutely point. agree. I yeah. think we're kind of, and I'd say Western Europe. You can also see this mm -hmm. there. I think we're beginning to slide out of the. Uh, the 70, 80-year uh, liberal world order mm -hmm. consensus. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's gotten kind of fed up with the the idea that your world leader should be a Martin Sheen West Wing type person, right. this philosopher king. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who felt dejected by the system um, prefer someone who maybe not speaks at their level, because mm -hmm. I would say that the average American is definitely more verbose than Donald Trump has been on the campaign trail. Um, I think so. You're right. but, maybe, but maybe someone who speaks to their id a little mm -hmm. more. Right. Donald Trump definitely appeals. He, he does the opposite of appealing to our, work, mm -hmm. our better angels, right. I think. And that's what and I don't, and I think that's what people want, I, which is odd. And people, I, yeah, they want to really get mad. Right, and they're they're so frustrated with the way the country is going, and I. Who who could possibly. Give an answer to that to be an an alternative to Donald Trump at this point in the Democratic Party. Looking at people who are running right now, I. Mm -hmm. Couldn't tell you. Right. Part and so, of me still is hoping for. A, <laughs> this gets dragged out to the convention, and we get a uh, draft movement for Senator Sherrod Brown from Ohio. Mm -hmm. He's, a, uh, he's economically to the left, but he definitely knows how to speak to the concerns right. of middle America. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say maybe Pete Buttigieg. I think he's the most serious when it comes to national reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And I think 
you know, you hear how Joe Biden uh, advertises his ideas for national mm -hmm. reconciliation, and it's, oh, I'm going to cooperate with Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell's never going to sit down and work with him. No, of course not. No. But with Pete Buttigieg, it's, he, he appeals to our mm -hmm. better angels. There's like a Kennedy-esque quality to him. Okay. And um, I think his platform, which, now I don't speak on behalf of the campaign or mm -hmm. anything, but I'd say that if I were to ideologically define him, he falls under uh, left nationalism, okay. which it's the form of taking pride in your nation, but in mm -hmm. the good parts of it, the tolerance, right. the equality, the uh, opportunity, the social mobility that comes with the ideal of America, rather than the idea of some ethno-state based off the 1950s that the far right has put out. Right. But I, I don't know if Pete Buttigieg is experienced enough to carry mm -hmm. that out. See, I look at... I always, and this is, I, I hate the debates because they're not really debates. They're not. They're not. Yeah. They're not debates. It's not but case. that's just how we, uh, we find, the general public finds out about these candidates. Right. And so um, I imagine who's going to be, who would be on stage against Donald Trump. Right. And people are going to look at it for entertainment value. Right. Because that's what we, I mean, it's a show. Right. And so... I don't see any of the candidates being able to, to put on the show that no. he does. I just don't. And I, unfortunately, that's the whole, that's the sad part about all, the tragic part about all of this. There's no one, it's almost like we need someone that's able to sink to that level right. during the debates, but we really don't want somebody to right. be at that level. We don't need somebody. We need somebody to elevate and rise above. Right. And I don't know who's going to be able to do that. And, and I'd say the one mm -hmm. person, and I don't agree mm -hmm. with him on everything politically, mm -hmm. The one person who can match Donald Trump's uh, firebrand qualities, mm -hmm. who can rile up a crowd, mm -hmm. who can do the angry shouting grandpa thing mm -hmm. as well or better than Donald Trump, but can still pivot and then appeal to mm -hmm. the good nature of America mm -hmm. and try to achieve reform rather than... Um, I don't know regression. I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm endorsing anything. I don't want right. to endorse anything on your behalf. But I, yeah. I'm a Democrat. I work for a Democratic governor mm -hmm. candidate in Indiana. I'm, I'm registered independent. Right. Contrary to what anyone thinks. Right. I'm not a Democrat. Right. I just I see flaws in the system, but I want to make my own decision up about right. different issues. So I'd say the only person mm -hmm. in the field who can uh, sink to Donald's level, but not you know, wait in the, the crap with him is probably Bernie Sanders. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say. Because I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, it, Joe Biden will just have an aneurysm if he tries to do I, it. Yeah, I don't, I'm not confident about that at all. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, hey, let's get off of politics right. just for a little yeah. bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, don't. Went to school. Um, sounds like you got involved in a lot of great things here. Yeah. What are your, outside of school, what are your interests still? I know, like, when you were here at Central, big musical person, oh, into swimmer. all kinds of Marvel movies, oh, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Anything, like, culturally that you're doing that you want to talk about? Culturally. So yeah, like, I, uh, cultural arts, anything right. that you're noticing, and, yeah. you know, from being, you know, living in Indiana now. and Yeah. So I, I mentioned offhand earlier that I do mm -hmm. political advocacy work. I work mm -hmm. for a campaign. Mm -hmm. Um doing pretty well at it where it's one of the Democratic governor candidates, but in a non-political capacity, mm -hmm. I'm the president of the Who's On First improv troupe. Whoa, yeah. good. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if you could tell me that. funny. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, you were. You have always been funny. Yes. Oh, yeah. Shucks. No. Seriously. Yeah. All, all the time. People didn't understand your humor. Right. Yeah. But um, oh, that's that's excellent. I'm glad mm -hmm. you're continuing to do that. So what, what's involved with this? Um, it's you've seen whose line is it anyways, mm -hmm. right? That's basically mm -hmm. the structure of what we do. Oh wow! So yeah. do you do shows every week or every other Saturday? Oh wow! Yep. Is this in a? Where is this located? In I use uh, Student Union. Wow! So yep. do you have a lot of support there uh, I'd at say on a campus? Good fit. Okay. We draw in decent sized crowds. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, is this something? Is it? Um, anyone can join this, or is this something you created, or anyone can join it? Well, mm -hmm. anyone can audition to join. Mm -hmm. um, there's a vetting process, obviously. Mm -hmm. We need to take callbacks. Mm -hmm. We don't want people who aren't funny in a comedy troupe. Right. Um, but yeah, it's free for everyone. Part of the reason that I uh, fell in love with the troupe is because while some of the other comedy troupes on campus wanted daily writing sessions mm -hmm. and daily rehearsals, ours was given like, yeah, I, I know, right? Right. Um, Not for improv. Yeah. yeah you, well, you would. You practice just, your improv, yeah, but you don't practice. write your improv. Yeah. yeah. Well, some do um, just straight up sketch comedy too. Oh, and those okay. are the okay. ones who write right. it. My bad. Okay. Um, our troupe has prided itself, whatever the past form of pride is, um, on being flexible, being a release for people mm -hmm. rather than something they want to get into. Right. Because um, there are people at IU who are in the other mm -hmm. comedy troops who want a career in comedy. Right. Um, we just see it as a way to have fun, to let steam loose, mm -hmm. and to perform in front of people, and cool. it's fun. Well, good. Good yeah. for you. Good for you. Hey, I got a lot of people that a lot of I, I do the podcast here. I started this. Right. Um, when did I start this? It was back in the fall. Mm -hmm. um, started working with the the Juice Box podcast, which mm -hmm. is here in Wheeling, and they've been doing a really good job bringing in um, people who graduated from Central. Mm -hmm. And they've talked about different careers that they they are already exploring in different parts of the country. And mm -hmm. so, um, some of some of my audience here would be uh, people who are graduates of Central. Mm -hmm. And actually, um, I always share the podcast with different students because right. um, sometimes I interview students here at school as well. What kind of advice would you give? Because I, as a teacher, I look out and uh, school is changing, and I think my, the students nowadays are more savvy in terms of understanding that the traditional way that we do do um, school is not working anymore. Right. I think, I, I just remember, and you probably remember this, like the, mm -hmm. the, the struggles of having seven, eight classes a day and boom, right. boom, boom, and being here, you know, 7 a.m. until oh, whenever, and, and not only swimming or participating in extracurricular, mm -hmm and what a drain it is yeah. on you. Um, what do you see as something that, what kind of advice would you have for students that I have right now for mm -hmm. navigating that and making that transition to college mm -hmm. life? Um, I'd say when it comes to picking out a major, you need to realize that uh, when it comes to, because you're obviously going into a major because that's what you want to do what you get when, when you get older. Mm -hmm. um, don't hyper-specialize because when people are looking at your resume, they're not looking at, like, say, a physics degree unless you're working at NASA or whatever, and they're saying, wow, uh, this man has a you know, strong knowledge of physics. Or if you're going into, let's say, finance. If you have a finance degree, great. 
but you don't need a finance degree to get in there. You should look at your degree as more of a way to show the skills you've learned that you can apply to a career mm -hmm. and less the technical abilities you know. Okay. Like, cause if you're, like, to go back to the finance example, if you have uh, decent math skills and decent critical thinking skills, then you can be fine as a math major or an econ major and go into finance. Mm -hmm. You can be a physics major and go into finance. You don't need to be a finance or accounting major. Right. If you want to go to law school, you don't have to be a pre-law major. You can be an English major. You can be a history right. major. You can even be a business major. Cool. So, like, when you... Um uh, going to Indiana, a lot of pe most people around here that we end up going to right. West Liberty or uh, Wheeling College or WVU, and th those are all fine schools. Right. Um, but you did something that's kind of out of the norm in this area, going to right. a school in another part of the country, and there wasn't anyone from this area other than you going to Indiana, right? Yeah, not that I know. So of. you kind of just went there right. on your own. Yeah. Um, what was that like for you your your first year, if you can remember back? What were some of the challenges that you encountered going to a a school right. that was how many miles is it away from here is it it's a lot it's I, a, yeah. I have a bad uh now you have an excellent memory so you should know this of course you're probably sleeping ge ge geography yeah. okay but That's yeah my, i mean it's at least 500 to yeah, it yeah it's got to be 500 yeah at least 500 miles right. away um, it's a six-hour drive. Oh, well, that's, maybe it's not it's quite 500. Well, let's say it's 300, 400 miles away. Right. Okay? Um, you're, you're definitely out of the fishbowl here, and yeah. you're into an entirely new mm -hmm. pond, so to right. speak, a uh, much bigger pond. Right. Um, what were the difficulties that you experienced your first year there? There were... So a lot of people who go to IU mm -hmm. are from the suburbs of Chicago, mm -hmm. and many more are from New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. There are a lot of people who came in knowing each other, and then obviously there's all the people from Indiana who knew each other. Right. So to some degree, I, I was worried that I would be lost, that I wouldn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. um, but you'll find if you're going to school out of state, or even if you're going to school in state and it's just a place where you know, not many of your friends are going. A lot of people are trying to branch out. They don't necessarily want to stay friends with the same people that they've stayed friends with through high school. Not that, like, your high right. school friends and, you know, right. your boys back home aren't great. It's just that you want to branch out. You want new experiences. Yeah. So pretty much everyone is open to making more friends. Right. Everyone's open to making new friend groups. Right. And I... The first week of uh, freshman year is probably one of the most fun times of my life. The first like month or so, mm -hmm. it was just this constant feeling of wonder and like, yeah, was I bewildered and you know mildly scared at some points? Sure, absolutely. I was living on my own for the first time. Mm -hmm. I, it was a drastic lifestyle change. Right. But there are other people who are going through the same thing. And everyone's just as nervous. Everyone's starting off on the same foot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's what I like best about that. I, I think that's kind of the neat thing about going to a totally different place. Like when I, after I graduated from uh, West Liberty, right. um, I tried to stay around this area, and I wasn't able to do that. And I moved to North Carolina. But mm -hmm. when you move somewhere else, it's totally different. It's, uh, it's a clean slate. Yeah. No one knows anything about you. They don't know any of your history. Right. They don't know like how other people feel about you. It's just right. like, it's you, who yeah. you are, and it's a chance for right. 
you know, you're, yeah. you're an opportunity for you to navigate right. kind of a new world with a different kind of attitude right. if you yeah. wanted to. Leveling right. with the mm -hmm. audience here, I, mm -hmm. I'll admit that I was, uh, you know, I didn't have the easiest time in high school. No, didn't I have mean, a ton of friends. I mean, I'm fine now, though. I have, yeah. I'm in a fraternity, I'm mm -hmm. in several clubs, I'm really close with oh, yeah. all the people who were on my floor right. last year. Mm -hmm. It's, high school won't define you. No, clearly, yeah, and I think that's the big thing. A lot of people, they worry about that when they're graduating, you know, are their friends going to stick with them, or, right. you know, you know, how are people going to see me? And, when you know, when you're in a high school, you're in one building, and right. like, we're in one building here in this small world, and, and chances are it's people you've grown up right with. and it's yeah and it's so magnified everyone knows everything about you and it's just it to me sometimes it's exhausting it is exhausting. it is you it know it was exhausting yeah it is because you're like can't i just like i just want to focus on this and that's why you know college it is scary but it's also an opportunity for you to right. really branch out and develop who it, you are yeah, yeah it allowed me mm -hmm. to start off being the person mm -hmm. i knew i was mm -hmm. rather than the impression that other people had developed absolutely and i mm -hmm. think that was probably the best decision i've ever cool. made well good hey nathan it's been great having you in here absolutely um any movie anyone's got to see any book some people have to read any music anyone has to Ooh. listen to you don't have to tell us anything about it just okay. say hey this is good this is good this is good just give us three suggestions okay. books movies uh, television movies if you haven't seen it yet knives out it's fantastic okay daniel craig i know we all know him as james bond but the guy's a really versatile character actor okay he plays a uh you know a big uh southern gentleman detective investigating a murder that occurs within a fa the family of a famous uh, mystery writer. Okay. And I'm not going to get too into the spoilers. Yeah, but don't do that. Don't do right. that. Yeah. But you're going to feel like your expectations... Is it a comedy? Subverted. It's a dark comedy. Dark comedy. It's oh, a dark comedy oh. whodunit. Okay, cool, cool. Um, any kind of music that's popular in Indiana that we may not hear around here? Hmm. No, I'd say pretty much everyone listens to the same hip-hop at this point. Okay. Um, you're driving around. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the last song you were listening to? What's the last song I was listening to? I was listening to an acoustic cover of Sweet Child of Mine. Oh, by? Oh, some dude named Peter. Maybe Paul. Peter or Mary? No, not, not those guys. Peter, Paul, like... No. Sweet no. The, the original song, Sweet Child of Mine, by Guns N' Roses, oh, I, was covered yeah, I know by that. some random dude. A random dude named Peter or, or Paul. Paul. There was a P. Peter or Paul. If you have Spotify and you look up Sweet Child of Mine, Mine. Acoustic, okay. it's the first right. or second result. Yeah, that sounds excellent. Well, hey, yeah. it has been great having you Absolutely. here. Uh, thank you so much for coming out. Um, I wish you the best of luck Let's out do. there in Indiana. It was great, for, great to see you again. Yeah. Uh, you got some time to help me grade some of these scrap folios. I do not. Seriously. I have a little brother that I have to play uh, Monster Hunter with. Noah? No, Ryan. Monster Ryan? Hunter is not like a... It, I mean, it's Noah, a video game. I mean, Noah's a child, well, too. Well, Noah's also going to a swim meet in now minutes. Oh, you, yeah. are, you need to go. Okay. My mom's probably just waiting down there. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming out All today. Right. Um, you have a good one. Good luck. You second too. semester. And, um, yeah, I need it. It's going to be too many, too many oh, AP yeah. papers to <laughs> to read. Oh, It'll God. be all right. It's all right. There. Yeah. It's all good. Thank you for coming out. Oh, all right, yeah, buddy. of course. All right, that's Noah Blair. No, it's not. It's Nathan Blair. No, it's Noah Blair. Oh my God, you're doing this to you're doing this to get at me. I am. Yeah. Yeah, it's Nathan Blair. Sorry. I'm the tall one. <laughs> Noah paid me five dollars to do that. Did he really? Yes, he oh, did. Of course. Because that's 
Well, he's an idiot. No, I'm just joking. Well, if your mom hears that, I did not call him that. Noah, I didn't call you he did. that. I didn't. But thank you for the um, the the chocolate peanut or peanut right, thing. Were those were really good. Uh, your like mother's great. Of my, my your mother should mail those to you like every month. I'm trying to get it to you. Oh, well, you know. So, yeah. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Have you a good too. day. All right. She's got